it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to the Scoop Board Order. Happy Monday. I hope you guys had a great day. Uh, big news, big position change uh, is done. Uh, we're excited to announce uh, who that will be. Secret weapon for Ohio State. Who is it? What is their new role? Very excited to get into that. Take your questions. Uh, the gear drop is coming. It is looking fresh. It is looking awesome. Very excited to share that with you guys. I know a lot of you guys have wanted gear. Uh, you guys are going to get to rep the scoop major. Uh, I've shared it with some of the people, and I've gotten great feedback. Shout out to our Hall of Fame guys, uh, Akeem, um, also Tony Turley, You know, also uh, Devin, all you guys that are in there. You guys got the first look at it. It's a, a tribute to being in the Hall of Fame. Appreciate you so much for that, and thanks for the great feedback. Uh, as always, we appreciate you guys. Uh, Set up a bunch of new members for Pay Forward once again. Again, it's been an amazing program. It's been fantastic. Uh, we appreciate all of your help and support of the program. If you guys enjoy this content, please leave us a like. Click subscribe. Also, click that little alert bell. We're going to alert when we go live. Shout out where you guys are watching from, who you guys are watching with. Um, also, if you guys have not joined BuckeyeScoop.com, we are the most active and most successful Ohio State uh, football website. It's not even close right now um, in terms of activity. Uh, we just had a thread go over 1 million views, which I don't know if that's ever happened in the history of Ohio State football websites. Uh, so it's cranking. Uh, a lot of activity, a lot of great stuff. So we just appreciate you guys that are members of it. And if you guys are not members of it, you guys should try it out. If you guys have never been a part of a message board community, ours is the most well-moderated, uh, the most high-level, the best clientele. Uh, it's where you want to be at. I mean, again, we moderate it heavily. Uh, we're family-owned. We're a family-run shop. So we're not a big shop. We're not someone that's just, uh, we have to have as many subscribers as possible. Because for us, we want great subscribers. We don't want trash. And our trash has all been terminated and assassinated and sent off to other places. So we have a very clean experience, very fun experience. An experience you guys will be proud to be a part of. So I'd love for you guys to join at BuckeyeScoop.com. That being said, Nevada, the big news, the big man... The monster, the man-child. Uh, what have you heard about Sonny Styles uh, in relation to a position change? Well, you know, the long-rumored position change for Sonny Styles um, apparently has taken place, and the Sonny Styles has moved from the safety room to the linebacker room, and is now under the tutelage of James Laurinaitis, and will be battling Gabe Powers and C.J. Hicks for the will linebacker position. So kind of a, a a move that we've talked about. Wasn't sure if they were going to do it, but with Caleb Downs, it seemed like the writing was kind of on the wall. And uh, Sonny, I mean, if you had a chance, you know, Ohio State put out some workout pictures today. Uh, there, there you go. You're way ahead of me on this. But Sonny Styles looks like uh, something from the, the, the age of Ultron in, in the Avengers or something like that. So uh, he is clearly 
bulked up to play the linebacker position. Uh, in the safety position where his first step is backwards, he's looked a little bit like a fish out of water. This gets him closer to the line of scrimmage, gets him more of an attacking mode. And, uh, boy, I mean, he's got the lineage. His dad was one of my all-time favorite players. He's got all the athleticism in the world. Um, it's it. This is the year for it to all come together. But the move to linebacker, um, you know, it, it's here. And now, now we get a chance to see him all spring moving around, playing some different positions. But in the linebacker room and uh, with Jim Knowles and, and James Hornitis, couldn't have two better guys to take care of him and figure out a way to utilize him. So uh, very excited about that. Yeah, and I just zoomed. I mean, Sonny is maybe the most physical-looking guy I've ever seen at all. I've never seen a guy look like this. You know, and he's only 20 years old. He's young. He's a true sophomore. Now, he, you know, he reclassified, which takes incredible maturity and incredible physical ability to start i mean he started basically as a high school senior aged kid he started versus georgia which is insane uh, when you think about it but he has to play linebacker again he was very average at safety um i think he'll be outstanding at linebacker he's just he's just too big to play safety and again he hung in there did the best he can but at linebacker where he'll have safety speed and like defensive end physicality who knows how good he could be, you know, because he's clearly one of the best. I don't even like saying he's one of the best 11 guys on defense. It's more like he's like probably one of the best six or seven guys on defense if he's in the right spot. Now, if you put him back at safety, which again, you know, as soon as Caleb downside up, I'd say, okay, Sonny, your days as a safety are over. Uh, and then you've got Malik Hartford. I mean, you've got so many good players. I and mean, that's one of the deepest rooms. That might be the deepest room on the team other than running back. And linebacker, frankly, is thin it's very thin i mean if cody simon's going to set out spring you've got zero career starts coming in that linebacker room a lot of young guys a lot of guys that have either just been special teams guys or they've played very sparingly in blowouts um a lot of freshmen a lot of sophomores uh you know a guy like cj hicks is in that third year now where it's go time him and him and gabe powers there's no more you're not a five-star anymore dude you're a guy that hasn't done anything in your career thus far other than play special teams and again you know you're behind two good players in steel and tommy but you know, if you're a dominant, dominating phenom, you can beat out Steel Chambers. You know, again, I, I love Steel Chambers. Great family, great kid. But Steel isn't—he's uh, not AJ Hawk now. He's not Bobby Carpenter. He's not a first-round type dude. You know, he's a guy that you'll be a mid-late round guy. If he runs well, he could maybe go fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh roundish type guy. Um, you know, and, and if you're like a phenom, like CJ Hicks was was you know kind of determined to be when he got here, you got to beat that kid out. You know, so it's go time for CJ. And again, something that, you know, again, most people that have never been in this situation, this is, this is an agility drill. Um, I believe they're doing a five ten five shuttle, which is what is one of the real popular drills at the NFL combine. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of reps where they're going to put CJ Hicks dead on with Sonny Styles, And they're going to see who wins in agility, in speed, in strength, where, you know, again, like I, I used to, I was in, in these shoes and urban took it to a different level and Mickey Marotti took it to a different level where they, they calculated every single drill as to who was, who won and, and they would announce it and they make a big deal out of it and they tabulate it and you've got a winning percentage and, you know, and there's some days where, you know, if Sonny's, you know, going against a linebacker, that's 200, you know, 195, whatever. I mean, there's some matchups where they're not going to be great for you. Like when I, when I would go against Tyler Whaley, Tyler Whaley was a hundred and, or excuse me, a 270 pound center who was five eleven ish. 
like he's gonna outrun me when I weigh three fifteen and I'm six six and you know I and, and I was one of the fast linemen. But when a guy's forty five pounds lighter than you, he should be able to outrun you. Um, and he was a walk on, great kid, but you know I wasn't gonna win, beat him in many speed battles because he was so small. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how these guys go against each other. Again, um, if I if I'm Mickey Marotti, Ryan Day, James Laurinaitis, Jim Knowles, I want these guys doing every single drill against each other. I want these guys and then sprinkling Gabe Powers. Uh, rotate those three in every single drill. Because again, when you when you get to the end of the spring and guys want to know, hey, where am I, coach? Am I in the mix to start? Did I get beat out? Am I named the starter? Whatever the deal is, like it helps when you have a big stack of analytics where you can say, okay, well, this day, Sonny beat you, you know, 35 out of the 40 times you guys went against each other. This day, he gave powers beat you. So again, kids always want to know where they're at. And when you have data, and and great you, you grade practice every day like when you have this big massive sheet of data you can say well why do you think you should start when you got beat out every single day by by two other guys or whatever you know or it could be sunny it could be gabe whoever um so that's why like you know the the data is so important because kids all want to know where they stand and it's a lot easier to tell a guy look i mean sunny won the job um because he beat you every single day he graded out higher than you every day in practice because um, that makes sense to the kids uh, Nevada is this, I think that this will linebacker, um, you know, and again, these guys could mix it around a little bit. If Cody Simon's going to, you know, you know, be limited in the spring, which I project, I project he will be. I think this and right t- will linebacker and, and right tackle are the two hottest battles of spring practice. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And are, are there any other positions that you would throw into the mix? Well, look, I said a year ago that I thought the, the defense was going to take a huge step forward under Knowles with the uh, you know second year in the system, guys returning, familiarity, and you know some of that got people scoffed and oh oh Nevada oh you just love Jim Knowles and I'm like no I'm just telling you watch and we saw just a huge increase in every analytic that you can possibly come up with for the Ohio State defense and while I'm not predicting as big an increase this year this year's defense is going to be better than last year's defense. And that, you know, that we can just go position by position and we can say, you know, Hey, we're better here. We're better there. We got more experience there. I don't think anybody's going to really argue with that. But then when you talk about the X factor, I mean, we didn't get much out of Sonny Siles last year. You know, I mean, he played and he was out there and he ran around and he wore the Jersey uh, and he got a letter, but it wasn't like we were like unleashing hell. It wasn't like Andy Katz and Moyer, as a freshman running around and just, just crushing everything in sight. And so when you're looking for those things, those kind of those turbo boosts, those things that can add kind of nitrous oxide to the defense. Well, Sonny Styles at defense at, at linebacker might just be that X factor. So as good as I think the defense is going to be this year, as, as, I shouldn't say, I think as good as I know the defense is going to be this year with, with a super freak like Sonny Styles in that will linebacker spot, man, I mean, it, it could just take it to another level. And um, that's really what I'm excited about in terms of seeing them, you know, from a, uh, from a, out of the will linebacker. Because like you said, Steele was a great kid, terrific guy, unbelievable family, great Buckeye, but, you know, not a transcendent talent, not a guy that was like, you know, generational or on the pantheon of greats. And I'm not saying Sonny's going to be there, but he's got athleticism that is rare. Um, and he's, uh, he's certainly got the lineage that's rare. So, you know, that's going to be a position I'm watching carefully. And it could be, you know, a big factor in Ohio State's, you know, 
national championship run in 2024. Obviously, the right tackle spot um, that you talked about, you know, that one I think is is kind of obvious. You know, tight end. You know, tight end's a big position where we're looking, you know, looking at those battles, see if we can kind of get some guy who's a combination blocking and receiving threat. You know, interior line. You know, we're looking for a little bit of help on the interior line. Getting Tyleek back was huge. That was one that halfway through the season last year, if you told me we were getting Tyleek Williams back, I said, you're crazy. We're not getting Tyleek back. Tyleek's Tyler, gone. Mike Hall's gone. We're going to be replacing everybody on the inside. Getting him back, wow. But, you know, still need a couple of bodies on there, so we're watching that as well. So got some got some battles to watch throughout the spring. But the uh, the Sunny Styles at Will as that X factor, man, that's, uh, that's exciting. It's something I'm really looking forward to seeing. Yeah, I, I am too. I think it's going to be excellent. And this is, uh, you know, Ohio State's media team is actually, they actually do a really good job. And this is the, the best thing is that they always do all these little things that, you know, you might not pick up on if you're not hip to the game. But, like, the very first photo that they posted in their little batch is Caleb Downs. Caleb Downs in his Ohio State gear. Caleb Downs was eating steak with, you know, uh, with Brett Getz this week at Hyde Park. And, you know, like, there are just people that are just impossibly stupid that put out the whole Michigan. Oh, he's transferring to Michigan. Oh, what's wrong? Oh, are we sad? So we had like 20 super chats. And again, I appreciate you guys that read Twitter. Cause again, it is the most boring part of the year for college football, but like this kid's locked in, man. I mean, this kid is, this kid is, he's a, he's an NFL player playing college right now, which generally isn't fair, but that's where we're at right now. This kid is so mature. He's so good. He's a guy that, I mean, you know, again, I, I don't, we, you know, if this wasn't, if this wasn't a really deep senior class, I'd say that this is a, this is a guy that could be a captain, but we have too many good seniors. But Caleb and I, I'll tell you what, uh, Jane Bonsu looks really good too. I mean, he looks like a, I mean, he's right next to him. Freaky looking dude, probably like 5% body fat. Uh, so some good looking safeties, but rest easy on Caleb Downs. Nevada, I know that you were really nervous about it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Caleb Downs going to Michigan just because, you know, I know you're nervous, Nelly, but do you feel better now that they posted a photo of him working out? Yeah, I, I hate it even, even, I mean, and I'm not <laughs> hating the super chats and I appreciate the questions, but the fact that, that I just, I hate the internet. I, I, I really truly hate the internet in 2024 that any <laughs> stupid person can put something down and, and get good people worked up over it and, and give them any doubt. But no, that, that was dumb. And undoubtedly, it was from a Michigan fan, probably some general studies major at Michigan, put that out there or something like that. And and uh, it just it, it annoys me that it, that it, that that even created a question for anybody. But yeah, no, Caleb Downs 
isn't homesick and moving further away from home to Michigan. So we can put that one to rest. Mr. Barton, are you muted, Mr. Barton? Oh, I apologize. I'm muted. Yeah, your boy, uh, Ennis and one of the Armstrong twins. It's funny to kind of pick off the uh, the numbers these guys can be running because, you know, Caleb was in 112, which you guys saw that you're probably like, well, you can't give out a 112 jersey, but he's probably going to get hopefully the deuce, which is what he deserves. Um, you know, Court Williams has had a nice career, but he's, I, I'd imagine he's probably close to medically retiring just because he's had so many injuries. So, uh, but one of the Armstrong's getting 78. It'll be interesting to see if Brandon gets one. He's wanted one for a while. Um, JJ Smith is getting four. That was confirmed to me this weekend. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what Quinchon Judkins gets. That's what he wore at Ole Miss. So that'll be uh, interesting. But you know, you can't take four from JJ when JJ uh, has been in the fold for a couple of years now. So we will uh, start going through the super chats. We're starting to pile up. So we appreciate you guys as always. Um, Donald and Karen Rossbeck, thank you for the five. How do you feel about the helmet communication they're thinking of introducing? uh nevada oh i o i think it's gonna be great i think that that would be for coaches for you know james lornitis for ryan day i think it'll be great it'll cut down dramatically on the amount of signals you do really at that point the only signal you're going to do is when teams go no huddle if teams go no huddle you have to signal uh because you don't have enough time to communicate it in the microphone and have the linebacker scream it out and, and again it depends on if they do you know, if you said, Kirk, you're the commissioner now of, of college football, what are you doing? I'd say give every single kid a radio in their helmet. Give every kid, every lineman, everybody gets a radio in their helmet. So then there's no more signaling. There's no more stealing signaling. There's no more we have to signal on hurry up. Like that. that is every coach's dream. And as we go into like NFL level stuff, um, you know, in the NFL, it, you only have the Mike linebacker and the quarterback. Um, generally, the guys are the green dot guys that have the the comms in their helmet where they can talk. But it, you know, with how much money these schools make, give every single helmet a radio and let every single kid uh, hear it. You know, and, and again, I don't think I don't think every kid on the team has to have it on, but at least or, I mean, I, here's the hard thing: I don't know if you need every single kid on the bench to be on the comms too, but you got to have it on uh, for the guys that are in the game starting. And again, I don't know. I don't know how that would work, obviously, because every kid, if you're rotating guys in, they got to have radios. But, you know, I don't think that if you've got like the the last walk on on the team, I don't think he needs to have radio in his helmet. But the, like the top 22 guys on each side of the ball should probably have it. Uh, yes, the starter and the backup. But I think that would be the dream scenario. Um, I imagine if they started off, it's just going to be, you know, one or two guys on each side of the ball, probably the quarterback in the, in the middle linebacker um, or safety, depending on the defense. Um, but like I said, I. I hope that they do it because again, the, the science stealing stuff, it, it literally is, it's a silver bullet that you can do instantaneously to destroy science stealing. And this is give everybody communications comms in their headset. Um, yeah. And there's some, you know, some you can do a microphone too, if you're a, a linebacker. So I don't know. I love communication. I think that it, it, it's, it'd be something that would be better, make the game better, uh, make coaching better. It would really shut down science stealing because you wouldn't have to signal anything. If everyone has a radio in their helmet, you don't have to signal anything anymore. So if teams go hurry up, um, it really kind of kills the hurry up offense because you can get certain plays in lightning quick and everybody gets it. You don't have to worry about a guy not getting the signal or not getting the play. Uh, Cause that was part of part of the reason why the hurry up offense was so successful is because everything became so helter skelter on defense. Like they can't, you can't run some exotic blitz when 
you're worried that, oh, crap, maybe my one defensive end didn't get the call or my one corner didn't get the coverage, and then there's somebody scot-free because they didn't know what they were doing. You know, and you run some blitz and, you know, you leave some gaping hole because some defensive end doesn't go to the right gap. I and mean, that was the big reason why most of the time when teams go hurry up, the defense, generally, they generally check the base defense. They have to. You know, because you can't just run a bunch of exotic stuff. Maybe you can run a blitzing linebacker off the edge or something simple, but you can't run like a real exotic uh, blitz scheme versus, uh, versus you know, a, uh, a heavy hurry-up team. It's basically like you're playing base defense. So just so you get guys lined up on time. Nevada, your thoughts on adding a radio and uh, communication to um, the on-field deal in college football? Well, I think it's, it's been inevitable. You know, I think it was just a matter of, of when, not if it was going to happen. And, you know, I just kind of think in terms of the next advances and like, like you see that commercial for that, the deaf team that, you know, that got the thing where they had the, like the visual signal on their little eye thing that told them where the play goes and stuff like that. I mean, you wonder like in the future, will that be a thing where they, like they put a play out and then it, it like flashes you what you're supposed to do on the play. Like by like, you know, press block to the left and then, you know, move to the second level or something like that. I mean, that sounds crazy, but you never know. You never know what the stuff could do, and especially with AI, you know, having the ability to process stuff instantaneously, you know, giving individual instructions to guys on plays. I mean, I don't think we're that far away from something like that, and um, it'll be interesting to see where the technology kind of leads us because technology is just, you know, it's it's increasing so fast every single year. Now we're in college football. We're just getting microphones in the, in, in the helmet, so – um, I, I'm, I'm not sure this is going to be the end. I think it's just going to be, it's the beginning of the beginning. And, uh, it'd be, I think, I think it's gonna be very fascinating to see where this is in five years. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, one quick thing I'm going to let you guys in on, uh, is that we are going to have our gear drop. I'm going to keep going through these super chats and this will give you guys a little preview of the gear. Uh, the hoodie is going to be magnificent. It's all going to be Nike. Um, prices will be very similar to Ohio state Nike stuff. Uh, I got the American flag on the sleeve. Buckeye scoop on the chest. Really excited about that one. Um, of course, we're going to do the massive T because people love that we use the word massive in all of our YouTube titles. That is now our official word, massive. So uh, we're going to drop that. Uh, we're going to have a Buckeye scoop. Uh, that's going to be on the back collar of that. We're also going to have one that was just a plain shirt. It's gonna, it'll be basically that same Nike shirt with this on it. So it'll have the flag and Buckeye scoop. Um, and we're going to do the Urban. We're going to do the Urban quarter zip. Uh, I told him I'm sending him one. He's going to wear it uh, on Fox. Again, I did not get a good uh, image of this because the store is, is locked right now while they're editing the stuff. But it'll be the white Nike quarter zip that Urban wore on Big Ten Network. Uh, so he's going to get one of those. So the Urban quarter zip will be available in this drop. And we've got a nice Nike hat. And uh, we're going to have a nice tank top uh, for the ladies, like a nice racer tank. So we're going to have some good-looking gear. I'm really excited about it. Appreciate all your support. Um, I know you guys have been uh, very... Uh, uh, fervent in your uh, wants for some scoop gear. So we appreciate that. Uh, and I think it's going to be really nice, high quality stuff. I think you guys are going to love it. And um, frankly, anybody that is on my Christmas list is going to be getting scoop gear because it is a gift that keeps on giving and you can rock with the best brand uh, that's associated with Ohio State. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Jeremy Moreland, thank you for the five. And uh, thank you uh, for being a scoop ultra member. Uh, explain the weight thing at safety. Is it he's too big to be fast or something else? Well, I, I just think that in general, guys outgrow positions um, to, to just be like absolutely maximum. Again, you can look at, in the NFL, there's certain prototypes. There's certain prototypical size guys 
And then there's outliers. It doesn't mean they can't be successful, but there just isn't a safety that I can think of in the history of the NFL that's as big as Sean, or or as big as, excuse me, as Sonny Styles. I was going to say Sean Taylor, but I mean, he's kind of like that, but Sean Taylor was as big as Sonny Styles is now. He's big. I mean, Sean Taylor's one of the most talented players in NFL history. Obviously, he had a very short career after he was murdered. But, you know, that was the kind of guy that I, I was hoping Sonny could be. But I just think that he's outgrown that. Like, I think he's way too big to be playing safety. Um, again, it's kind of like a guy who's who's maybe... Cause I don't want to say that he's he's an average athlete for a safety, but he is kind of an average athlete um, from a change of direction as a safety compared to, like, a Caleb Downs or a guy that's just smaller. You know, a guy that's like a pro, like Caleb Downs is a prototypical first round top 15 safety, like period. And that's what you want back there. Sonny, however, is a guy that if you push him up and you move him up a level to linebacker is the prototype. He is like the dream scenario. Um, and, and this is what happens in football. Sometimes guys, they just outgrow positions. Like for instance, when I was in high school, I was a tight end. I was six foot five, two sixty five, Um, and, and you know, and I was like a good athlete for a tight end. But when I move up to tackle, I was a fantastic athlete. Like, I mean, because, again, I'm going against guys that are, you know, usually fatter, slower. Uh, they've never been super athletic. They weren't trained the way I was in high school. Um, so, you know, like all that adds up. So when I moved down to tackle, it was like the killing fields because I was so athletic. I was so fast. Like we do conditioning runs. I just kill everybody because I was used to running with tight ends. And like when I was in high school, I ran with the running backs. You know, so it was like I was a tight end who was 260 running against running backs that weighed like 180. So, again, I usually came in last, but you know, I'm going against guys that are 80 pounds lighter than I am. So I hope I hope that they're faster than I am. But that's kind of like with Sonny is like Sonny can, you know, be a, a you know, a, a, an average. And again, Sonny is is it's hard for me to call him an average athlete as a as a super top end safety because he is one of the most phenomenal athletes. He's a 39 inch vert, He's probably going to run in the four fives. Great straight line speed. I just don't know if he has you know the optimal skill set to play deep. I think you're wasting him back there. I think when you put him in a physical spot up in the box, as big as he is and as tough as he is, that's where he can flourish. And so I think that's why you know when you just look at the talent that's in that safety room, because again, you got to remember like Malik Hartford would start on like a. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol. Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. 120 teams this year. Uh, he started a game as a true freshman last year. And now all of a sudden he's, you know, the, the best backup safety in the United States of America behind Caleb Downs and Lathan Ransom, you know, and Lathan will probably be limited this spring. I've said that multiple times. So it'll probably be Malik and, and Caleb doing most of the work at safety. Um, and Sonny, you know, might moonlight back there a little bit, maybe on first down and then move up to, to will during uh, passing downs. But I, I just think that you just put him at will because, you know, it's, it's go time for Sonny now. This is his third year. Like it's go time. You know, you got to, he got to go put that all big 10 season on paper as opposed to kind of floundering at safety like he did last year. And again, last year he had to, again, we had injuries um, kind of wrecked uh, our back end a little bit and forced Sonny to go up there and play. Uh, but I think that this year, you know, especially out in Caleb, like you got to put Sonny up, up uh, closer Nevada. Um, the weight thing at safety, 
Uh, too big to be fast. Something else. I mean, I, I just think like when you're that big, man, why not go be like an explosive dominating linebacker as opposed to a guy who's just kind of okay playing, uh, playing back deep. Yeah. I mean, to your point, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, the list of guys that big that have played safety in the NFL is, is like Cam Chancellor. And that's like the end of the list because, you know, the, the, the basic nature of the safety position is one, it's primarily a coverage position that supports the run and, and running plays. Whereas linebacker is primarily something that is, is attacking the run and, and then can support in passing plays. And for Sonny, his skill set is clearly designed to, you know, big physicality, attacking, going forward. Um, and his first step needs to be going forward. It doesn't need to be going back. And with a linebacker, he can do that. Um, so I just, I just think it, it's it's going to be a much. I mean, look at but his dad was a linebacker. And I'm not trying to make too much of the the whole lineage thing, but I, I mean, I really believe that's like you know Marvin Harrison. When I used to see Marvin Harrison Senior, NFL Hall of Famer, and then I look at Marvin Harrison Junior. and I'm like, I wonder if Marvin Harrison Junior is going to be good in the NFL. It's like, yeah, I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to be just fine. Um, so with Sonny, you've got you know his dad was a great linebacker. Uh, he's grown up in a linebacker family. He's got that body. Uh, he's got the build. He's got the mentality. He's played all over the field in high school. But I think his future in, in the NFL is certainly his future here to the immediate years in, in college is at linebacker. So put him there. Let him learn from the best in terms of James Laurinaitis. And uh, let's just go get this thing. Yeah, I, I just think, Sonny, again, this is it's year three now, man. It's go time. It's money time. Um you know, again, I, I think in an optimal scenario, they're probably thinking he'd be jumping this year. And again, I think there's a shot. If he has a huge year, he jumps. Uh, he'd be the youngest guy in the draft next year. But it might make sense to say for another year, just like Quinn Ewers did. I mean, they both reclassified. In the NFL, it's a man's game, man. You get up there and you're a 21-year-old, man. It's it's tough. But it's, the guys have done it before. I mean, Sonny could absolutely do it, especially with you know how his dad and mom have raised him. I mean, they're excellent parents. Very, very smart, very tough, very demanding um, and they've raised two great kids because because Los Al's I think Los Al's Jr. is going to make noise as a kick returner again. He is a guy top five athlete probably on the entire team in terms of overall top end speed change of direction. Like he's he's a force. But the problem is is where do you play him at? I mean he he, he converted over to corner and this is honestly the deepest cornerback room I've ever seen at Ohio State between Denzel Davison, uh, Jermaine Matthews, uh, you got Bryce West. I mean I mean uh scott i mean the kid from date i mean you've got like just really really athletic guys and you only play two corners and they don't rotate them a ton so uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they do this tony stop thank you for the 10 and they free scoop ultra member appreciate you brother with uh yensi losing its um relevancy as far as amateurism will it lose its relevancy in terms of show cause and various penalties will michigan dodge a bullet Michigan isn't dodging anything. The NCAA is about to smack them hard. Um, the long term of the NCAA, I don't really know. Uh, the short term, which is like what Michigan's going to deal with in the next you know couple months, like there it's about to be real relevant. Uh, I, I just I don't think the NCAA is, is as dead as people make it out to be, but you know uh, there's going to be a restructuring as the SEC and the Big Ten grow and they form this NFL type conference and. You know, eventually, like, they got to come to their sense and have a commissioner. Because, like, there's not a commissioner of college football. Like, every other major sport in the history of mankind has a commissioner. The NFL, the NHL, uh, you know, they've got uh, Goodell, Gary Bettman, um, Adam Silver, the NBA. And, like, the, the, the college football is the only major 
massive, you know, sport that doesn't have one governing ruler. Uh, they can, they can, they can, you know, kind of run the show. And so they have to rely on the NCAA, which is, you know, um, you know, it's an entity, but like they have to, you know, the NCAA has to deal with women's, you know, fencing and college football. And it's like, it's like dealing with like a, like a, with like a, a field mouse and like an elephant. Like there's like, there's like two different sets of problems, two totally different, you know, like, I mean, I, I could deal with a field mouse. I can't deal with an elephant now. You know, so it's a totally different animal when you're dealing with college football and how big it is and how much money's involved and players moving and transfer portal and NIL. I mean, you need to have like a ruling commissioner. And again, it just takes someone with common sense like us to point that out. Like eventually you just say, why don't you just spin off college football? It's too big and actually run it like, you know, run it like, like a, like a professional entity. Cause that's what it is. You know I mean? It's just like the, the money's just so different than every other sport. Um, Nevada with the NCAA losing its relevancy as far as amateurism will lose relevancy in terms of show cause and various penalties. Will Michigan dodge a bullet? We've been saying for months now that they're not going to dodge a bullet. Uh, we've got great intel on that. Uh, but your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think people are conflating two issues. I think you're, they're conflating the long-term viability of the NCAA as an overseer or organizer of college football. And, and I would agree with, you know, long-term over the next 20 years, 25 years or something like that, uh, they'll, you know, eventually we've talked about the AFC, NFC, AFL, NFL type of model with a commissioner. Um, you, you still got to get both comp, you know, the SEC and the Big Ten to 24 teams. So you've got expansion. I mean, you've got all these issues that have to come to the fore. And then at that point, I think the NCAA would be less relevant in, in terms of college football. Now, in the meantime, now we're talking, that's the long, long-term plan. Now, in the meantime, as you said, the next months, the next six months, the next year, the next two years, the NCAA is fighting for relevancy and trying desperately to stay important to college football. And the one way that they can stay important is by enforcing the rules. They're the only enforcement agent out there in terms of that's keeping this from, they're the thin blue line that keeps this from becoming chaos in college football. And they've tried with uh, with NIL in terms of enforcing things. They've been hit down by antitrust. But in terms of the NCAA rules, those are pretty black and white. And so on this one, I am telling you from a very good NCAA source, the Michigan scandal is considered the greatest on-field cheating scandal in the history of college football. And that is the importance with which they are attacking the case. And I absolutely believe with every fiber that all of the the uh, the punishments will be appropriate to the transgression, and you know we had the great Tony Turley Hall of Famer come. Up, he actually did he actually did a uh, a like a, a brief like a legal brief looking at NCAA uh, enforcement actions against teams because because first of all there's nothing there's no uh, there's no precedent for this level of on field cheating. Nobody's ever done this before, so there's no case that you can point to. Well, well this team cheated on the field because nobody's ever done this. But in terms of cases where teams used ineligible players, did ineligible or uh, insufficient vetting of eligibility issues, things like that, in every case, the team had to vacate win and vacate titles, championships, uh, banners, things like that in terms of going forward, as, as well as go forward penalties. So in a situation where there's precedent in terms of uh, ineligible players and other things that affect competitive balance, 
how will the NCAA deal with one, the greatest on-field cheating scandal in their history? It's going to be ugly. And as a Michigan fan, uh, I would be terrified. But the Michigan fans are too stupid to be terrified because they're still th- waiting for Jim Harbaugh to announce his uh, extension because they're, they're promised that he's going to sign that extension and stay there. So uh, I think they're waiting for that. But no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be bad to be a Michigan fan. And sucks for you guys. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he'll send that extension soon, just like everyone's been talking about. It's uh, it's kind of unbelievable people actually believe that. Christopher wrote, thank you for the five. CBS Sports is predicting the Cheaters at North will be the seventh seed in the college football playoff next season. Delusional? Yes. Oh, my God, yes. Have you seen their schedule? Good God. Nevada, I mean, I can't even imagine how much action you would take on that. That uh, They'll be lower than a seven seed. Um, what would you put on that? Well, I mean, I, I'll, I'll bet anybody that now. So, but it, to anybody who's within the sound of my voice, and you can send this to the CBS guys too. I'm your Huckleberry. Contact me. You can contact me through the site. Contact me. I'll, I'll, I'll book all that action. So, if the bet is that Michigan finishes as a seven seat or higher in the NCAA football playoff, and I, and I'll take all other outcomes, and uh, I'll take take the bet so yeah i that's it, that's a ridiculous notion um i mean there's no, there's no no way in heck that happens I, I i i'm having a hard time finding nine wins for those guys a really hard time well let's let's look real quick okay so this is their schedule next year and again, i've said ad nauseum that they have the i mean their schedule is insane fresno state they'll win Texas was going to just beat the tar out of them um, up there. Quinn Ewers is back. Uh, you know, they're going to have a whole new offensive line versus a really good Texas defensive line. No chance. Arkansas State, they'll win. SC, kind of a coin flip. Um, I don't know. They got them at home. Minnesota, they'll beat Minnesota. At Washington will be interesting because that's a long trip out there. Obviously, Washington has a whole new staff. Uh, but that one will be interesting. At Illinois, eh. I don't know. I mean, I, I could give them the win there, Michigan State. There's no chance they beat Oregon. Oregon, I think, will steamboat them. Uh, at Indiana, no. Uh, Northwestern, no. Uh, Ohio State, we're going to stop them. So, I mean, there's, I mean, at least three lot. I mean, Texas, Ohio State, Oregon, there's no chance. Literally no chance. Um, and then, I don't know. I mean, they still got to play Washington and USC. Um, at Washington, uh, which is a, that's a long flight, a miserable flight. Um, they could eat that out. Uh, SC, who knows? Um, depends on how that defense shakes out. But I don't know, man. That is a that is a that is a like it, that is a rough schedule. Because you know, I mean, Texas is going to be a top three team coming into the season, and Ohio State's a top three seat team. And then you've got Oregon, who's going to be excellent, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the seven seed right there. I mean, I think you got three losses guaranteed. I can't see a three-loss team being a seven seed. But again, um, that's why you guys listen to us and not CBS because that is that's an insane take, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, I just I, I can't see it in Nevada. Can you? No, <laughs> there's just there, yeah. I mean, again, you've got three certain losses, and then you've got a number of times. To- I'm telling you, SC is going to be better. Than people think, and Washington at home. I don't care who's playing at Washington. I who's that? Washington at home's a tough place to play. So, and, and you're talking about a, a Michigan team that's lost everything on offense. Lost their wide receiver. Lost their running back. 
lost the court. J.J. McCarthy is a he was a really good college quarterback, really good college quarterback. And I think he's overvalued as an NFL guy, but really good college quarterback. And then your entire starting offensive line. I mean, so I mean, good luck with that, man. I'm telling you, it's going to be a long season. Seven seed, no way. I'll, I'll take that action all day. Well, I mean, and, and, and like, you know, me and you, we, we make light on J.J. McCarthy, but he's projected as like a top 15 pick. So, I mean, that's that's a real guy that you have to replace. Now, is he really a top 15 pick? I don't know. I think quarterbacks get over, you know, they, they get spun into these higher deals just because GMs are so desperate to save their jobs and find a star quarterback. But, you know, my thing is, Phil Steele, who, you know, I think is the greatest, you know, college football preview writer in history. I don't think there's a human being on this earth that studies college football more than Phil Steele. The one big thing he talks about every year when he looks, he does his preseason rankings and projecting the season is number of returning starts on the offensive line and number of returning starts at quarterback. Michigan has zero, zero and zero. Now, again, they might have had some backup O-linemen start one game or something, but their five key starters from last year went to the league. So that is rough. And then your quarterback, you know, leaves after three years. That is rough. Then you lose your head coach. Then you lose your offensive line coach. Like, because again, Sean Moore, who's done a really nice job on that offensive line, and Jim Harbaugh and Ben Herbert, their strength coach, who's excellent. That that's all gone. Like Sean Moore doesn't get to be the O line coach anymore. He's got to go be the head coach. So that's a lot of moving parts. I'm just telling you, I've seen it. Um, I've seen it go really, really good. Like when Mickey Mirati showed up with Urban and it was a huge um, inflection point on our offensive line to really become dominant. Uh, and I've seen it go the other way where, you know, you have a staff that isn't as, as offensive line centric. So, um, you know, when you got to play SC and some of these guys and you're breaking in a new quarterback, SC, Minnesota, who will be physical uh, at Washington, like that's a brutal stretch. Brutal. I mean, then, then they get to the bye week and, you know, I mean, Michigan. I, mean, I think Michigan State could be better. I mean, they they hired a really good coach. Uh, they got a really good quarterback in the portal. So again, uh, you know, Michigan State has been terrible the last few years in the Mel Tucker era. But you know, they they always have a chance to actually be decent. And they've had a, uh, some decent runs in the past. Uh, so I'll switch back and get Tor on here. Akeem, what is up, brother? I hope you're good. Uh, thank you for being Scoop Ultra member. Thank you for the wrench. Uh, thank you for your input on the gear drop. You guys were too. Uh, Torah and Devin, aka Ohio 7715, uh, and Treasure the Torah are two of my test kitchen guys on the gear. Uh, so they give me the thumbs up along with Tony Turley. I sent them everything early. So I appreciate you guys saying uh, that you like what, what it looked like. Because again, I want, I want feedback uh, before we go to the presses. Uh, this, the drop should be out in a week or two. We're just finishing up the store and making sure all the mocks look good so that it's ready and easy for you guys to order. Uh, uh, Akeem Tora, thank you uh, for the 50. Appreciate you, brother. As always, Kirk Stay Golden. Stay strapped up. Love and respect. Love you too, bro. You're the best. Uh, respect to Nevada Buck. Shout out to Devin and Cujo. Cujo the Coon, our, our little mascot raccoon, which eventually he will have a shirt with the raccoon logo because that is just the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's crazy how amazing the show is right now. Everything is so fruitful. The Lord said, let Buckeyes be fruitful and prosper. And the decree was set. I don't know what. Let me know what verse that is in the Bible or if we have to add it to the Bible, but I appreciate you, my man. Uh, I know you're ultra spiritual. I always learn a lot of stuff from you when we talk at night. So I uh, appreciate you, my man. Nevada, uh, our boy, uh, Akeem, treasure the Torah. Uh, any thoughts? Again, he is the absolute best. I think he's quoting the uh, the book of Massive 316 or something. Massive like that, 3. But, uh, oh, that's the shirt. That's the next shirt. 
massive 316 <laughs> there you go you're a genius <laughs> oh yeah but no thanks thanks tor thanks for keeping that thanks for keeping all the uh, the michigan vermin out of the chat too that to me it's like that's the thing because i used to watch that that show billy the exterminator where he went go on there and he like kill all of those animals that's whenever i think of the wrench but i think of billy the exterminator having to deal with uh with all these michigan vermin sleeping into our chat you think they'd have something better to do than be around here but man they make up those new accounts and they keep infecting it every night but uh good job guys no i i uh i totally agree um thank you for bulleting those guys uh dub v buckeye thank you for the five is there a timetable for nd or florida state to the big Ooh, i mean i think over the next few years i mean they're I mean, everything's collapsing just as we, as Nevada, as Nevada, not me. I didn't predict it. Nevada Buck predicted, uh, you know, SC to the big 10, UCLA to the big 10, um, ND Florida state. Yeah. The timing is always dicey. That's like one of our favorite things to say, but Nevada, I mean, there's the timetable could be months, years. I mean, I'm not sure, but it's going to happen. I, I think it's months, not years, uh, in terms of Florida state for sure. That, you know, I mean, they they are actively negotiating a separation from the, the ACC right now, actively. So once they can come to a uh, to a price, basically just it's a price, you know. Um, and once they come to the price, once they agree to that, and you know, the reward for them is they have a chance to increase their you know take home from anywhere from forty to fifty million dollars a year if they're not encumbered with the ACC through twenty thirty six. You do the math on that. There's a lot of reasons for them to change. There's a lot of reasons for them to make a move. But I, I think I think the Florida State thing, and I think that's the first domino that opens up all the stuff with ACC because once they go, ACC is on sale, and, and that'll drive everything else. But I think Florida State, and I think it's months, not years. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be um, it's gonna be exciting. Man. I mean, Florida State's the Big Ten's a dream for me just because, obviously, Kim, my wife, went to Florida State. So to have them actually get to come to the shoe – would be absolutely amazing. Uh, Philip Pouliot, thank you for the deuce. Is it possible to hack helmet comms? Question mark. Never heard of it. Um, well, here's the thing. I mean, with modern tech, if, if you can hack the CIA and hack everything else in the universe, like, of course, I'm sure there's a way to do it. Um, would somebody risk doing it, getting caught doing it? I mean, I'm sure that the, it'll be exceptionally secure. Again, they, they've been, I don't think it's any different than having the radios now. You know, I mean, the, the guys on the on the sideline, they all have headsets and they're talking back and forth the whole time. And, you know, I don't see any issues with that getting hacked now. So it'd surely be the same system. Uh, I know that they're very secure. I know the people that run them because they, they travel with us, you know, because when we go on the road, uh, you got like the, the helmet crew uh, or, or excuse me, the uh, the headset crew. You know, they got to go to the stadium early and make sure the headsets work and walk around on the sideline to make sure there's no dead spots and yeah, so th those guys are really good. I mean, this stuff's been always been secure, um, especially at the highest levels. So I don't think so. But again, in mo with modern technology, they, if they can hack like the CIA and the federal government and Sony pictures, you, you see all these big hacks that happen, like anything could be hacked. So um, is it possible? I'm sure it's possible. Has it happened? I don't know. Uh, that would be an amazing scandal if that happened. But uh, Nevada Buck, is it possible to hack Helmet comms, uh, never heard of it, question mark. Yeah, I mean, yeah, clearly. I mean, the answer is yes, for sure. But uh, now there was a story, and I I, I don't want to get it wrong, and I'm sure somebody could hit the Google machine, but I, I want to say 
it was Pat Fitzgerald or something. He was there. Somebody was in a situation where the other team signals was coming across their headset and he stopped the game and told his guys to turn off their headset and went and told the other team that that it was good. I mean, somebody did something like that, but I mean, like it was a really honorable thing to do. And it was like really one of those things where you're like, that's the way the game's supposed to be played. You're not supposed to, you know, that's what makes this whole Connor Stallions thing just so completely outrageous is that, you know, Michigan, you know, it's like golf is a game where you play, you call your own penalties on you. And they say, you know, honesty is doing the right thing when nobody's looking. Well, Michigan was not only trying not to do the right thing, but they're trying to you know cheat and gain advantage and do anything they could to to win no matter what. And when you've got other guys where there could be a snafu and the and the signals come across their headset and they're honorable enough that they shut them down and tell the other team that that's happening. And like I said, I wish I remember who it was. I know it's probably gone on Google somewhere when that happened. But uh, to me, that's the the way the game's supposed to be played. You know, tough and hard, but you're not cheating. And uh, I think Michigan missed that memo. Well, I, I think that. You know, the, the funny thing with like the going all headsets is I, I still think you have to figure out a way to be able to signal just because, you know, there's what happens if if the headsets aren't working on one sideline because yeah, they've got different companies, different brands using the headsets. And again, like, you know, if you're a football kind of historian like I am, I love studying football, you know, Bill Walsh used to famously script his first like 20 plays in the middle of a game to start the game. The 49ers offensive guys knew the plays like the back of their hand. Um, so they would go, you know, to like play the New York giants, you know, in a playoff game. And all of a sudden um, Bill Walsh would say that the headsets aren't working. And he said that to the officials because he knew that the rule was if your headset is not working, then the other team has to put their phones down too. So they have to take their headsets off and coach the game without headsets, which is terrible, especially when you're, it's like a lot of pieces of technology that are, that modernize how you do things. Like, like a you know, if you take the backup camera out of your car, all of a sudden it's a lot harder to back your car. And then, than you, than it used to be like not having a headset during a football game is misery. So, you know, he would do that because his guys already knew the plays. It was already scripted and he knew it would be harder for the defensive coaches to adjust on the other sideline uh, you know, to talk up top to the, the coaches that are up top, their, their eyes in the sky, so to speak. Um, and he did that and, and they ran right through the Giants. And so the next time they played, Parcell said, look, you know, if, if you do this you know, BS again, like I'm going to turn you in. And because I mean, he knew that what it was, he knew it was people call it gamesmanship. I think it's BS. And I would say that. Uh, but, you know, they, he, he, he got an advantage that way. And again, that would be my only reticence to not you know to, to to going full headsets because i think you get so dependent on it what happens when a team pulls that stunt because that'll happen like someone will say oh my headphones don't work and it'll be somebody that's on all and then magically when they go on defense the headsets will start working again uh, but that was something that like he did that i thought was interesting so but yeah i'm sure that you know phones have been hacked before um but i mean it's just something that, like i've i've never i've never dealt with it i've been on and when i coached i was on headset every single game and I never heard the other team or anything like that. So, because they usually have totally different, um, you know, to, it's like basically having like two different cell phone lines. You know, like if, if I'm sitting next to somebody and they've got their cell phone and my cell phone are next to each other, like I can't hear what they're saying on their conversations. Uh, Sean, thank you for the five. If Hicks and Styles both pop at linebacker in the spring, do you think Knowles will install more three linebacker sets 
and creative ways to keep them both on the field. I just think that, you know, the biggest thing with the three linebacker stuff is that was more prevalent, like when I played, when we used to play the game with a fullback and used to play the game with, you know, two tight ends and one tight end and, you know, like more condensed sets and more typical pro style, quote unquote, offenses where now the game is so spread out that it just, it's not advantageous to have three linebackers. It's the same with like the big fat defensive tackles, like the Gilbert Browns or the, like, like Terrence Cody, who, who played at Bama, who you guys remember was like 400 pounds, played nose guard, was like a third round pick for the Ravens. Like that guy couldn't play today. You know, he he just couldn't because the, you know, if, if Chip Kelly saw that guy on the field, he would go hyperspeed to the point where the kid was about to have a heart attack on the field because he was so fat and out of shape. Um, you, you just can't you can't play that way anymore. That's why Georgia, um, it, it really is one of the things that really changed a lot of it was when we beat Alabama in 2014. And you know, Tom Herman went down and clinicked Kirby Smart and Nick Saban after that game when he took the job at Houston. And Kirby Smart talked about how look, they couldn't run on us inside because we had Jonathan Allen and these big monster D tackles, but the goal was to get those big, those big heavy linebackers, those big fat linebackers, Trey DePriest, all those big slow guys, get them tired, run sideline to sideline, run horizontally, get those guys running. And then all of a sudden, and then go fast. And then all of a sudden they're out of gas and you can push them. You can move them around. And that's why we, we ripped them on the ground because they got tired. Um, and that was genius by, by urban Meyer and Tom Herman, just to basically put those, put those big fat guys in a track meet and see how they do. And then, so after that, man, Bama's linebackers got smaller. Their D line got smaller because uh, they had to defend against the spread and they had to defend against like the, the kind of the hyperspeed offenses that were shredding them. Um, like, you know, like we did that Johnny Manziel did it at Texas uh, A&M when they beat them. So, you know, they, they saw, they kind of saw the kryptonite was, and that's why, you know, the three linebacker thing, like when we, you know, the olden days, like when we had Schlegel and Bobby and, 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 and AJ's our three linebackers, like, that really wouldn't exist anymore. Like it would be more of a, a game that was played in nickel uh, because you, you have so much three receivers and so many, uh, you know, tight ends that are kind of detached and split out in the slot. Uh, you got to have a guy that can cover that, you know, and again, that's why Sonny is a mutant and he could play, you know, kind of like a walked out linebacker. Um, basically he could, when he plays Sam linebacker, he's like a giant nickelback, you know? And, and again, you know, right now, like our nickelback is Jordan Hancock, who's fantastic. And so, you know, is Jordan Hancock one of our best 11 on defense? Absolutely. So do you take him off the field to put CJ Hicks back on the field? I just don't know. I mean, I, I again, CJ, CJ, this is a big spring for CJ because CJ has shown next to nothing thus far in his career. And he's a guy that honestly I, I had really high hopes for. And this is a big spring for him. And, and, and he knows it. James Laurinaitis knows it. Sonny Styles knows it. Uh, Ryan Day knows it. Jim Knowles knows it. Mickey Barani knows it. So big spring. And again, Nothing will light the fire on you more than when you've got the phenom, Sonny Styles, lining up trying to take your spot. Because, again, competition, you know, whoever wins that battle out of the two of them should be an all-Big Ten level linebacker just based on how athletic and how explosive those guys are. Uh, Nevada, if Six and Styles both pop at linebacker in the spring, do you think Knowles will install more three linebacker sets? Creative ways to keep them both on the field. Yeah, I just think – I think what will we'll keep them both on the field is a 16 game schedule and the deep, the deepest uh, mm-hmm. type of schedule that we've ever, that we've ever seen at Ohio state. None of us have ever seen anything. I know I say this every episode, but none of us really have any idea what we're in store for this year. So 
I think depth is going to be paramount. I think uh, injuries are going to be critical. So I think having guys that can play, you don't need to have them on the field at the same time. You just need to have them available and ready to go. Um, I think three linebacker looks are tough now, the way modern defenses are, or excuse me, modern offenses are run. I, I kind of hearken it, use a hockey reference. It's kind of like the day of the goon. The day of the goon is kind of mm-hmm. gone now. Everybody has to be able to skate. And uh, right now, three, you know, look, I grew up running the Oklahoma 54. So we played with four linebackers, five down linemen and two safeties. So th- that's how old I am. So the, uh, the idea of three linebackers was kind of a new novelty and, now it's two linebackers, and you play that. You know, we, we, it's funny you talked about how deep the defensive back room was earlier, and you and you you didn't mention Jordan Hancock because that's how deep we are. Is that we could forget a guy like Jordan Hancock, uh, you know, in our in our list of, of great players that we have. But you take a guy like that off the field for another linebacker, it's just hard. So um, I I I hope C.J. Hicks pops off. I hope Sonny Styles pops off because we're going to need him. You know, given Cody Simon's injury history. The idea that he would go through a season unscathed is probably, you know, being a little optimistic. And um, given this type of schedule, everybody's going to be banged up, so we're going to need all hands on deck. I, I talked about Jordan Hancock when you um, dropped for a second, just so far. Oh, sure, I'm sure you did. Sure you did. I, I did. Rewind it. Sure, Pop, sure you did. Pops. Sure, you did. I believe it. Oh, I, sure you I did. did. I said he's one of the top eleven sure. guys on defense, sure. and there's no there's no reason to play sure. C.J. Hicks who stinks and hasn't done sure. it. Sure. So I'm talking about yeah. earlier in the thing. Earlier in the thing, there are Bubba Louie. Hey, I already talked about him. I mean, he's only he's only one guy, <laughs> you know, and he's and he's not that good. He would have gone pro if he was. So. Uh, oh. I'll be OHIO Ultra. Thanks for the 10. Uh, what time might we be playing the Cheaters up north this year? Noon. I mean, it's been noon every game except for one. So I can't imagine it'll be uh, any other time than noon. Um, Nevada, your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, historically, we've played them all over the board. We've played them at 12. We've played them at 1. We've played them at 3.30. And we've played, you know, I think the noon thing is actually kind of a, a modern thing. I think the most, I, I think most of the games were at one for a long time. But to answer your question, noon. <laughs> I hate noon games, but that one I don't think anybody will have trouble uh, getting up for. And that'll be, uh, that'll be, that'll be fun. That's going to be a fun one. I'll, I'll be there. So look for Nevada. I'll be the guy with the big horse head in the, uh, in the suite drinking hot cocoa rooting on the Buckeyes. Did they? When did they start playing it at noon? I don't know. I should check. I, 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 like I said, I, I don't have the Google machine here in front of me, but they've played it. That that game's been all over the board, man. Yeah, because I, I know I, you I mean, played. You played at three thirty. I know that. I think I played the only three thirty. I'm just trying to figure out, like, yeah, because I, I, I was curious, like, if there was ever a time where, because they always acted like the tradition was it was always, you know, the whatever. No, it was so not always at noon. Yeah, that that was always a lie. See our, our SIDs. This is leading us astray as always. <laughs> yeah, I, I I just wondered like when that became when the like the Michigan noon game became a thing because like I think you should play they play at three thirty, you know I mean you get a bigger totally, audience totally you know totally totally agree that that is yeah. I, I I would be so supportive of that. And you know me, I'm like Captain Noon game, but like for the Michigan game, like I could do that three thirty because I think it's better for recruiting, it's better for everything because like you know I just I don't like playing. You know, the, the thing that ticks me off about the start times is when it's like we played like a couple years ago, we played like Akron at like 7 p.m. And I'm like, why? Like, why are we playing Akron at 7 p.m.? Like, it was just like, or we'll play like Toledo as a night game. It's just like, 
it's just such a waste of time. It's a waste of everybody's day, basically. Um, uh, see what? Thanks for the five. Kirk, how can we get one of those custom Buckeye Scoop hoodies? So fire. Um, I'm hoping that you're talking about the ones from the drop because those will be out in about a week. Um, so I'm really excited to see those uh, and to see if you guys, you know, again, everybody wants them, but so we'll see uh, how big of a demand there is for them. But I think they're going to be sick. I mean, I'm going to send them, uh, we're gonna, like we're sending some to Orlando Pace. We're going to send some to Urban Tress. Uh, so you guys are going to be in good company. They're going to take nice photos wearing the gear. Again, Urban wore his on Big Ten Network, so I know he'll wear it. Um, you know, he's he's my dude. Uh, so they'll be representing uh, down in Florida. Buckeye Blitz, thank you for the five. How different is it going uh, from a high school playbook to college playbook and an NFL playbook? Uh, Nevada OH. IO. Scoop taking over. I like that. Um, it's much, much different. Um, you know, most high schools don't have playbooks. Like, we didn't have a playbook in high school. I mean, we, we had plays, but, like, I never – and we had tests. Like, we had little packets that we would give, but we didn't have, like, a big, giant playbook. Um, at Ohio State, like, we never really looked at our playbook. Um, it was funny, like, kind of the running joke was, like, we used to just make playbooks so that we could say that we gave the players playbooks, but we never actually used the playbooks because every week, like, you change your scheme, and every week you change – the defensive fronts you're going against. So it's like, you know, it, it's not like we don't have like little pamphlets that come out, but like playbooks get, they get stagnant in a hurry. I'm just telling you, cause like you have to update the fronts every single week uh, when these guys are going against certain teams and certain coverages. So, you know, like to have like a big fat, like old school playbook, it doesn't make any sense. You know, I, I generally didn't, use a playbook when I was coaching playing. Cause you know, the kids got to be able to regurgitate it and draw it and that type of thing. So, I mean, we had like play sheets. Like I still have our playbook, um, uh, on a, on a hard drive. Um, but it's just, you know, it, it, we did that basically so that we could say that we had, that we gave the players a playbook. Cause if, you know, if some media genius went to urban Meyer, Hey, uh, we heard that you guys don't give the players a playbook anymore. Then that would set off some sort of a, you know, some sort of a, a nuclear bomb in the fan base. The first time we lose or we don't get a first down, people say, well, maybe you should give everybody a playbook. And then all of a sudden, you know, you'd be able to do better. But like, it's just not practical, honestly. Like from someone that's been in it, it's better to give someone like a, a weekly up-to-date, hey, this is what we're going to run. This is what we're going to go against. And this is like, you know, the condensed stuff that we actually have to know. Like you don't need to know all... 8,000 plays and formations like this is what we're running this week because you don't carry everything into every game so um but you know the NFL playbook kind of the same thing uh you know obviously every NFL team has a big playbook and but it's more the tip sheets week to week um you know the NFL in, in general it's a lot of the same stuff like everywhere you go they just call everyone has to call everything stuff different so when I had to switch teams five times my rookie year I had to relearn the same plays in different words and it honestly sucks. It's super confusing because a lot of teams will use the same words, but they mean different things. So it drives you kind of crazy sometimes, but it's all good. Like, I think, um, you know, the playbooks are kind of going the way of the Dodo because you have to make it simple and easy to learn. So handing some kid um, who isn't from like the most advantageous, you know, educational system uh, in, in high school, some giant massive playbook that's the size of like, you know, a King James Bible that doesn't help anybody, you know, except it scares the kid to death. And you got to say, Hey, look, skip the first 800 pages and just focus on these. Um, so yeah, it's, it's hard to learn. 
Um, that's why like, I like to do walkthroughs. I like to um, mix it up. I like to get guys on the board, have them install plays. Like I, I would get like Norwell or Muhor. I'd get them up in front of the team and have them install the play for the entire team. Cause then like when, when they can become the master of it, then they, they completely have it down pat. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, again, like there's, there's a lot of gurus that are really stupid and they, they hand these kids and players, these giant playbooks and that doesn't do anybody any good. Cause I just, I don't think you can learn that way. I think a lot of these guys, you, you make it as easy and simple as possible so that guys can do everything fast. Imagine wagons, uh, JVB. Thank you for the five. Uh, appreciate you being on here. Do you think it's likely chip Kelly stays here longer than three years? And how much do you think Jeremiah Smith will produce next year? Uh, Nevada OH. I O. What do you think, Nevada? Uh, do you think Chip Kelly stays longer than three years? And what do you think we get out of JJ next year? Well, I think with Chip, you know, obviously right now it's unknown because we're going to see how he kind of acclimates to being here at Ohio State. But I know a lot of people that are close to Chip Kelly, and I've said this before, they think this could be a long-term gig for him. They think this is exactly what he wants to do, being exactly where he wants to be. And the only thing I think that could pull him away would be his ego. And I, don't, I you know, can't he check the ego successfully and just make the transition to just being the offensive mind, just being the offensive coach in terms of doing it, resisting the overtures from the NFL? Um, if so, I mean, he's well-positioned to do it. And they think he could be here for a very long time, but, I think we'll let's see how this first year goes, and I'll have a much better uh, handle on that because I do have some really good Chip Kelly contacts. Um, as for you know, Jeremiah Smith, I think he's going to tear it up. I think he's going to have a big year. I think he's going to he's going to have a a. a I mean, if you think about Marvin's first year, and he really didn't do much. And remember, I predicted he'd have three touchdowns in the in the Rose Bowl. He ended up having three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl, but he hadn't done much that year. I think JJ is going to come out of the gate strong and never look back. So uh, I'm predicting a, you know, a, a nice productive year for him. Certainly not the typical freshman kind of getting himself acclimated thing. I think he's going to hit the ground running and never look back. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that um, he's, he's not a freshman. He is act like a freshman. Uh, he's, he's kind of a dream. He doesn't go out. He doesn't do anything except for he's all, he's all football. So he's, he wants to be here three years, go to the league, that's it. And I think that he's going to do just that. He's going to have a monster year. I think Jim Kelly could easily be here longer than three years. I think that Columbus is a good city. Uh, he doesn't have any ties anywhere. Uh, no wife, no kids, which is, you know, kind of an anomaly in coaching. Um, and I think that, you know, he's going to make a couple million bucks a year, probably join Mirrorfield, you know, be able to golf, do his thing. Um, and, and I think that the biggest thing is just seeing what you have uh, in terms of NFL uh, potential offers. I know he wanted the Steelers OC job. I know that he wanted about every OC job that was open. Uh, he applied for and didn't get. So, uh, but I, I think that, you know, if you can't be an OC in the NFL, being an OC at Ohio state is literally probably like being on the 33rd NFL team. So, you know, he can let Ryan day fundraise and go do all the BS that happens with boosters because he hates doing that kind of stuff, especially now in the NIL era. Um, and now he gets to go coach football. And again, it's, it's kind of sad. Like, you know, listen to Jeff half cry as press conference talking about how, I finally get to watch football and study tape and be a coach. And like, dude, like you're making millions of dollars. Like, shut up. Nobody cares. And you're a terrible head coach at Boston college anyway. So you're going to get fired because you're driving that program into the ground. So um, I think a lot, there's this, this kind of stagnation where people don't want to do what is necessary to be great in college football at this point. And you know, they're all fleeing to the NFL, but I think chip being here is going to be a shot in the arm for Ryan. Uh, I think it's going to improve this coaching staff. I think he's going to demand more out of, uh, Tony Alford, Brian Hartline, 
Keenan Bailey. Like these guys got to get up to speed and, and really turn off a little bit um, and, and be more productive. And the thing that'll be interesting is like this ship, get these receivers to block because he does it. You know, like I watch this film, man, and those receivers out there blocking now. And again, that's something that they were, our receivers are allergic to contact for the most part. And again, that's something that it's either taught or it's allowed. And right now it's being allowed by our guys. And it just, you know, it kills our running game. I'm just telling you, everybody wants to blame our crappy running backs and our, our crappy, uh, you know, Trey Henderson can't see the hole and our O-line sucks, but we don't get explosives because we don't block anybody on the perimeter. So even if we block everything perfect up front, the safeties barely get touched. And so that kills our ability to get some of these longer runs. Uh, Poobier 12, thank you for being a Scoop Ultra member. Uh, and thank you for being great on BuckeyeScoop.com. You're one of our converts from the podcast to BuckeyeScoop.com. You've been absolutely fantastic. Uh, so thank you for being a part of that community. Um, thoughts on Marv skipping the combine. I, if I'm Marvin Harrison, I don't do anything. I don't run a route. I don't go to do anything at pro day. I don't run a 40. I don't run a pro agility, a pro shuttle. Um, cause that, that is kind of the meta now. Like if you're like a top drawer, dude, cause Paris Johnson did it last year and I thought it was fantastic. He didn't do a single drill. He didn't bench. He didn't run a 40. He didn't run uh, a short shuttle. He didn't do any of these like stupid clown drills that they make you do for the combine. And he went like six overall in the draft. So, I mean, if you're, if you've got it like that and you're like that luxurious at the top, don't do anything. Now, like a guy like me, who's just scraping and praying to get drafted at some point in the mid to late rounds, like I have to do everything. I don't have a choice. Um, I think that something that killed DeWand is he took that similar mindset to Paris, but he didn't have near the pedigree that Paris had or near the, the upside that Paris had. So it, it literally killed his draft stock. That's why he slid like a rock you know, when he should have been a first round pick and he ended up being a mid round pick. And the Browns got by far the best deal of the entire draft. Um, I, uh, but if you're Marvin, you know, if you're Marvin's dad, don't run a 40, don't run a route, don't do anything. They've got a thousand catches that they can watch. They know everything about you. You're going to be in great shape. Don't risk tearing an ACL on the Woody Hayes's turf at pro day or anything stupid. Um, don't do any personal workouts. Cause again, this all became a thing kind of during the Nick Bosa era. Like Nick Bosa, obviously he had that oblique strain or whatever where he like missed, skipped the whole season. Then he didn't do anything combine. He didn't run. He didn't jump. He didn't do any of the circus animal tricks that everybody wants everybody to do. And guess what? He went second overall in the draft. So it just proves that like as stupid as the combine is, as worthless as it is, if I'm one of those star guys that's like a top 15 dude, I'm not doing anything. I'm not just – there's no reason to. Go watch the tape and shut up. And if you don't want to take me, then I'll slide to – you know, four or five or whatever. So, uh, Nevada, your thoughts on Marvin Harrison skipping at the combine? Yeah, I look, I always thought in these situations, the, the, the benefit to a player like that, the top player, is just giving reasons to people to pick your game apart or pick, giving teams reasons not to pick you um, as opposed to reasons. They don't need any more reasons to pick you. So, you know, you know why, you know, they always, they always say familiarity breeds contempt. I think in this one, the less information you get out there, the better. Now, if you're a fringe guy, as you said, if you're a guy that's battling to, you know, get teams' attention to move up in the draft board, I think the, the combine's terrific and, and can be a, a great benefit. But for a top guy, absolutely no reason to participate in it. And if I was Marvin, no, no way I would do it. Totally agree. Uh, Shot clock, Todd. 
you're the man dude i appreciate you you're awesome on buckeyeskip.com as well uh thank you for the five the 1975 and 1974 weasel game kicked off at one o'clock 1973 was a 10 10 tie game kicked off at 12 30 going back earlier it was one o'clock so i i will say that i learned something today i appreciate that because i had no idea that we didn't play at any time other than noon so i learned something today now granted those are before i was born but i still need to learn that uh nevada props uh for knowing that i had no clue that i because i mean they act like every game since the beginning of time was a noon game and obviously it wasn't i mean i wouldn't even mind if they kicked it off at one but i know that would mess up the college football slate with when the games are slotted but you know again if i was the commissioner and ran the big 10 the marketing would be a billion times better and i'd put that game at 3 30 because i would want every major recruit in the country that wants to go to that game to be able to get to that game because the hard part is you gotta understand like when these guys are on good teams they're playing in late november they're playing in the playoffs so a lot of these kids they don't get to come to the game or they play friday night and they can't get on a flight that's early enough to get to a noon game uh in columbus you obviously the traffic is like death on game day of a michigan uh week um but 3 30 i think you could you could swing a little bit easier uh nevada do you remember 74 75 kicking off at one well I, I don't remember that, but the reason I knew this is because when I would get into these discussions about time of game, because I've always been a big believer of the 3.30 game for the Ohio State-Michigan game, um, that people say, oh, no, the game was always at noon. So I went back and looked. I went back and researched, and I'm like, no, game wasn't always at noon. And uh, so that's how I knew that. So it was kind of like a, a, a cheaty assignment in terms of doing it. But, look, 3.30, you're the biggest game in the history of the stadium at 3.30, and it couldn't have been any better. I, I just, I, I mean, I, I'm just failing to see the problem with the 3.30 game for the Ohio State-Michigan game. And uh, you had the benefit of playing in that game, and, and it all worked out, and everybody managed to make it home and, and do things. But, um, yeah, that game would be a 3.30 game. Because, you know, people forget how far it is from Florida up to Columbus. I mean, unless you're taking a flight that's leaving, you know, like crack of dawn, you're not making it up there in time. You know, getting in for a noon game is tough. And if you're getting there, you're getting there right on time. Um, pushing it back to 3.30 would just en enable kids from all over the country to come and make it. And, you know, that recruiting is the name of the game, and you want people at that game for sure. And, again, I don't know if there's anything. You know, I think Ohio State, you know, if it's an official visit, I think that they can meet them at the airport you know, get them, whisk them into like a, a close parking spot to, cause logistically it's just a total pain. I mean, the, those of you that go to Ohio state games, the traffic's terrible. They ripped up the one hospital on 12th Avenue. So it's like, it's like death getting close to the stadium now. So when you're trying to get a recruit in and host them and have like a good time and good impressions, like sitting in traffic, you know, like you're, you know, just some civilian when you're some five-star superstar from South Florida, it sucks, you know? So, I mean, I just, the three thirty thing would be great for recruiting. Now, granted, again, Nevada, we had like the greatest recruiting weekend of all time in 06. We had like every guy in Joseph Barks, all these five star dudes come in. We didn't get any of them. We won the game. I couldn't imagine a better environment experience. Like literally in the history of Ohio State football, that had to have probably been the best, you know, the stadium's ever been. I mean, a one versus two Michigan game to go to the national championship to win the Big Ten. I can't imagine like a bigger, you know, um shot in the arm of adrenaline. And none of those kids came here, which is always that always like cracks me up to like to know him just because like, you know, I was like, man, well, all these kids. Yeah, but but 
But let's be fair. That staff was probably the weakest recruiting staff that's ever been in, at Ohio State. No kid's oh, going to come through the one game. God. But, I mean, I mean, look at that staff now and compare it to the staff we have now or, under, or the staffs under Meyer. And, um, I mean, Trussell, God bless him. He, I mean, he was he, – what a great man. Should have been the president of the United States. Could have been the governor. Could be the president of the university. But, boy, he was an indifferent recruiter at best and with, a, with a staff of indifferent recruiters. So um, that's probably why we didn't get any of those kids. Yeah, and, and our recruiting department was trash, too. Like, I knew those guys, and it was just like – I remember I was literally sitting in the staff room in 2011, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know, we need to get on Facebook, you know, because if you get on Facebook, you can talk to these kids nonstop. If, you know, if you're on – you can't text them. This is back when you couldn't text. And, like, I remember I got on Facebook, and I started Googling all the different – offensive line coaches in America and they all had Facebook accounts. Harry Heaston had one at Tennessee. Um, I, I was Googling all across the board and like our guys refused to get on Facebook. Oh, we're not doing that. We can't do that. And I'm like, so all the SEC schools are doing this and they're communicating over communicating, building relationships. with. And, and again, I was on Facebook. So I started adding some of these kids and talking to them and I'm like, I'm just the GA. I'm the, I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm a absolute peon. I'm a surf. Like, no one's going to come commit to a GA. So, again, I felt when James said that no one's going to commit to a GA, I felt that. But, like, I literally had a room full of adults that were actually making real salaries say, oh, we're not doing that. No way. We can't do that. And I'm like, this is why we suck at recruiting. Now, granted, we're Ohio State, so we're still going to go get, like, great players just because, you know, Ohio State is – the brand's so powerful that, like, literally any idiot you – you can hire a room full of raccoons and put them around the table, and you're still going to get – all the best players in Ohio to come to Ohio state. Like you don't need to have any talent to do that. But if you want to go get the big dogs like urban and again, urban was a 180. urban was like, we're about to turn up in this thing and you guys are going to be recruiting your faces off. And it's going to be, this is going to be real now. And again, I loved that. Like working for urban was like a breath of fresh air. Now it was miserable and it was hard, but man, every day when you went to bed, you're like, there's no way any in the universe that anybody outworked us. And again, that's something I don't think we do anymore. Like, I think that we do a good job, but it ain't like with Urban, man. Because Urban, every day was like fourth in an inch. And that's why the shelf life is, is generally short for his assistance and, and even for him. Because it's like, you know, you drive the car 300 miles an hour, man. Eventually, everything turns to dust and blows up. But when you're on that thing, man, it is it is fun. Um, Woody, the historian. Uh, thank you for the five. Appreciate you, my friend. OH, Nevada. I oh, would modern data analytics show uh, Woody that two out of three things are still bad when you pass Nevada? Could you imagine Woody Hayes using analytics? I could not. Um, would it have changed his mindset towards passing the football? I think it would have. I mean, I think Woody was a guy that could adapt with the times, and uh, I mean, it would have been it would have been hard for him. But I mean that guy wanted to win more than anybody in the world. And if, if you realize whatever he had to do to win, whatever the path was to victory, if you saw all the teams beating him with the past, then, you know, I mean, look, Woody's the guy that went out and recruited Arch Leister when people didn't think that he'd bring up a, a passing offense to Ohio state. And he did that. So um, I think, I think Woody would have done whatever it took to win. And if that meant uh, changing his uh, style, I think he would have changed his style of play. I agree. I mean, again, he was really innovative. Um, you know, had the the all black backfield with Corny Green and those guys. I mean, so he was he was ahead of his time. And again, I think that coaches that want to win, they innovate. You have to. I mean, the game's changed. Like Saban went from 
three yards in a cloud of dust and power offense and power defense to spread and smaller guys because that's what you have to do i mean when, when the rules change if you don't adjust you die again i mean every in the last 20 years every sport has changed just absolutely dramatically because of rule changes so that'd be very interesting though uh ben g thanks for being a scoop ultra member and thank you for the 10 and that a buck off topic but have you heard anything new on the CBJGM front. Still think it's Dashi's to lose. Keep up the great work, guys. The board has been ungodly in 2024. Yeah, our board's been insane. If you guys are on buckescoop.com, there's as good of a compliment as you get. It's been ungodly. I like that. I like that. That might be on the next shirt for the next drop. Uh, Nevada, anything on the CBJGM front? Yeah, I think it's Dashi. I, I really do. I mean, you got the Columbus Blue Jacket ties. Yeah, um, you got ties to a very successful NHL organization that everybody wants to kind of emulate. Um, so, no, I, I, I think when I asked my guys after that last podcast, that was the first name out of multiple guys' lips and, you know, some senior level guys, some guys that would know, some guys that follow this for a living. So I think he's the guy. So, and uh, that, I think it'd be a great pick, incidentally. Absolutely. Uh, Woody the Historian, thank you for the five. Um, happy subscriber to BuckeyeScoop.com. Uh, what's there versus a YouTube subscription? Shout out to Greenfield OH uh, and Johnny Paycheck. My dad's, your dad was buddies with Johnny Paycheck? Oh my God, I love Johnny Paycheck. The old country singer. Uh, he was a wild man too. Really wild. Um, yo, Buckeye Scoop is our message board. Obviously, that's where we started. Uh, the Scoop Ultra membership we do here. Um, we're going to start doing some, some ultra chats, some exclusive, uh, ask questions, you know, basically free Q and a for the ultra members. Um, we're getting to the point now where that's going to be a big deal. Uh, obviously we did the Orlando pace chat where everybody that was a scoop ultra member got a free question. Um, I think we're going to try to do that with some other, there's a lot of former players that want to come on and do that. So, uh, we're going to do that where you guys get to ask uh, a lot of these legends, a question, um, and we're going to do a lot of other exclusive content. We might do, actually do an exclusive gear drop for the Ultra members uh, so that you can order Scoop Ultra gear. Uh, that's something that um, I'm looking at uh, designing right now, and I think you guys would love it because it's going to be really slick, and it'll only be open to the members of Scoop Ultra. Uh, and we're going to keep growing it, and we're going to have like certain tiered levels to that too. So uh, I'm excited about that. I think it's going to be outstanding, and it all goes to pay it forward. You know, the Scoop Ultra memberships, uh, they go to pay it forward. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty sizable difference. You know, the, the buckeyescoop.com, you know, that's our kind of our bread and butter. Like that's my livelihood, frankly. Um, but you know, the, the YouTube subscriptions help, uh, they go into our pay it forward fund expedition. Greg, thank you for being an ultra member. Thanks for the deuce. The number one versus two game was at three 30. Wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was absolutely, um, it was absolutely amazing. Like I said, I played in it. A lot of you, I'm sure all of you watched it. You know, I'm sure a lot of you were maybe at it. Um, but yeah, I remember they announced it at 3.30. Um, you know, we got done at 7. I popped the champagne at 7.05. I was smoking a cigar in the press conference by probably 7.20. Uh, it was, it was a night. I got home by 10. Uh, it was, it was awesome. Um, yeah, it was absolutely at 3.30. Uh, Nevada, what was your favorite memory from that 3.30 game other than us winning? Oh man, just, I mean, <laughs> I, it's just like, you just felt like all the demons had been kind of exercised against Michigan. Cause I, I was so scared when the night before didn't like, like Bo like died like the night before or something like that. I mean, oh, yeah. it was, 
Yeah, I mean, it was like, I felt like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Like, Bo's going to die, like, the night before and give him this extra jolt of thing and a win one for Bo. And um, and the fact that you guys were able to go out there and, and get that. Frankly, if it wasn't for a couple, you know, b- bad turf and a couple of bad snaps, um, you guys win that game going away. But, um, I mean, what a great game. What, what Just an absolutely entertaining game. Everything that was great about college football was on display that day. And uh, one of my best memories of being in the stadium, for sure. That was fun. Yeah, and me and TJ, you know, respectful of Bo, but that day we had some, we weren't we weren't having that. We're not there. weren't no ghosts out there playing against us, and we made it real clear that they knew that. We, again, very respectful of what Bo did, but like there was going to be none of that. You know, the, the ghost of Bo carries them over the end zone because we were like me and TJ were not having that. We were a little dark that day, but I remember after the game, you know, I do the champagne thing, which was great. It was amazing. I popped the cork right in front of Jim Delaney, who about had a heart attack, and nobody knew what was going on. And like, I popped this thing, man, and the whole team looks at me, and Jim Delaney and Gene Smith and Tress and all those guys. And like, I just take a big swig off this bottle, and I'm like, this is the best tasting thing I've ever tasted in my life. And we just beat Michigan, and we're going to the, you know, we we were going to the Natty, all this, and it's like, what a great night, you know. And I, I had it chilled in my locker for the whole game, so it was nice and cold. And then it was just like, oh. It was amazing. And then like the next, you know, the next day, it's like the lead story on ESPN.com. So then Sunday, you know, I get a call and Jim Bowman's like, you might be ineligible for the national championship game. And like looking back on that, I'm like, God, that probably would have been great for my career if I'd have been ineligible for that game. And because we got smashed anyways. But I um we went out that night and I'll never forget like the the girl I was dating at the time had like 20 of her friends and like they were acting like such idiots when we were getting ready to leave. And I was like, I will leave every one of you here because I literally said, you guys are not going to ruin my night because this is probably going to be one of the best nights of my life. And you guys could either come along and shut up or we're going to, or we're just going to roll. And like, they ended up like acting right, but it was an amazing night on campus. Cause again, like you don't, you know, will we see a one versus two game again? I mean, I don't think Michigan's any good anymore. So they're probably not going to hold up their end of the bargain, but we'll hold up our end. So yeah, that was just like one of those historical games. And again, the bow thing added some spice to it and, Michigan being a legitimate, like they were legitimately really good that year. So, you know, again, that's why, you know, when you, you always give me tons of crap, which is probably right about Michigan being good. Like that game's not the same if we're one and Michigan's 25, you know, cause it's just not. So, but when they're two and we beat them, then it's, it's tasty. Now that doesn't mean I don't want to lose to them, but being a good Michigan team is about as good of a feeling as you can have in life. Sean Rawlings, thank you for the 10. Appreciate you, brother. Great talking to you the other night. Thanks for being an ultra member as well. What's up, Kirk? Uh, will the merchandise be in the Scoop Fanatic store? No, this will be a separate store uh, that we control and we own. Uh, it's being built and set up right now, so I'm really excited uh, about it. Uh, trust me, you guys will be the first to know. We will announce it on the show, and uh, we'll probably run the, sh- the store for one week. Um, we'll announce it every single night. We're going to have a QR code literally right on our, our, our page, right on our YouTube. So as you guys are watching the show, um, you know, on your, on your, on your big screen TVs or on your laptop or your iPad, you can literally click on it and, or you can take a photo of it and it, you'll go right into the store. Really excited about that. Um, and I think it's going to be dope. Like I said, it's high quality stuff. It's nice stuff. It's Nike stuff. Again, um, I picked Nike because that's what Ohio state is. Ohio state's a Nike school. A lot of you guys like to wear Ohio state Nike stuff. So, yeah, I want to make sure that you guys can get the right size because if you buy, you guys buy a two XL, three XL, an XL small, medium, whatever, like you guys can know exactly what your size is because everything's custom made. 
Uh, so I don't want there to be anyone saying, oh, I should have gotten an XL and I got a large or whatever. So make it as easy and simple um, and it'll be seamless. Uh, I'm just really excited about it. Nevada, uh, are you going to rock any? You're going to be rocking the gear. We'll get you a nice. We'll get you a hat and a nice hoodie. Yeah, but to your point, I really want to stress, it's it's a drop. So it's only going to be open for like a week. So you're going to order during that week and then the store's going to close. So it's not going to be something that's going to be there. And as you said, everything's custom. Get your sizes right because it's not going to be order and then, hey, Kirk, um, can I send it back and get it? <laughs> no. <laughs> order it, get the size right, and you're going to be thrilled. But uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be rocking the gear. Are you kidding me? I, yeah, I need some scoop I'm gear. I'll, 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 I'll wear it every day. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do wear it. I mean, I wear scoop gear. I've worn a scoop gear every day for multiple years now. And I'm talking about nice, going out to nice dinners. Like, if I go out, like, to the nicest places around town, like, I'm wearing Buckeye scoop gear. And if they don't like that, then I guess uh, they don't have to let me in. Ben G, thank you for the 20. Thanks for being a scoop ultra member as well. Any updates on Chip's thoughts on the O regarding schemes of personnel, likes, dislikes, tweaks incoming? Well, I think we're going to run the quarterback more, and I think that he's going to um, make us a little bit less repetitive with some of the formations. Like, he loves some really wonky stuff, and a lot of it is probably one-off stuff that he puts in for a week and gets it on film, and then he trashes it, but he does. nobody knows that it's in the trash, so they prepare for it, and then he throws some different look. He loves unbalanced. Un what unbalanced means is when you put, like, you, you line up one of the tackles as a tight end, and then you line up the tight end as a tackle. Like he loves doing that, especially into the short side of the field. Um, so I, I think you're going to see a lot of different wonky stuff that drives defensive coordinators crazy. Uh, and again, I, he's never had receivers like this in the college level. Now, obviously, he was in the NFL with the Eagles. He had really good talent, but I think um, you know you look at what he did, like with Nick Foles playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. Like Nick Foles was like unbelievable the one year that he was with Chip Kelly. And I think that that's what you know, we're going to get out of our quarterbacks. I think our quarterbacks are going to go to the moon um, with the way he's going to coach them up uh, in conjunction with Ryan Day and Todd Finch. Um, but, you know, Chip, frankly, is just starting to get his hands on things like this week. He wasn't around much last week because he was moving, uh, getting settled in. You know, and, you know, Ryan was on the Buckeye cruise. And so now they're really getting in, into it uh, as they get into the spring ball. But I think that you can do that because Ryan uh, and, and Chip have such – similarities in their verbiage uh, so you know, for chip to learn this offense it's not going to be like he's learning how to read hieroglyphics i mean it's going to be like reading a language that he basically already knows so um you know and again him and ryan are as thick as thieves i mean it's his mentor and the mentee and the mentor come together and again i, I think it's, it's a dream hire for ryan day uh nevada your thoughts on chip's thoughts on our scheme and personnel uh, again, I, I don't know how deep he's gotten into it yet, but this week he's going to be digging into it pretty good. Yeah, I think this week will be a big week in, in terms of just actual application. But to your point, look, it's going to be a lot of misdirection. The offensive scheme is going to look different every week. It's going to have similar concepts, but it's going to look different because that is a Chip Kelly you know, trademark, hallmark. Um, as I've said many times, everything's going to involve the triple option. Everything's going to involve a, a run option, a pass option, and a quarterback keep option. And he's going to do it to the short side of the field. He's going to you know, create action one way and bring it back the other. Um, you know, we'll see the screen pass, the dreaded screen pass that we haven't seen at Ohio State in a long time. Chip loves to run it. So, um, no, it's it's uh, it's going to be unlike any OSU offenses in the past, but he's he's just now getting into it this year. So, 
or uh, this week. So once we can kind of get an idea of what he's going to do with his personnel, we'll let you know. But I can guarantee you the offense is going to look different than it has in the past. Shot clock Todd, who is running the show tonight. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for the deuce. What he's first year in 1951, he averaged 19 passes a game. I've never guessed that. But uh, thanks for the historical stuff. Nevada, um, 1951. Uh, don't quite think you were around yet. Did you know that Woody threw it that much back then? Did not know that. Doesn't shock. I mean, that's a lot of passes. Back in 1951, that's like 50 passes for a modern team. So, um, I mean, I mean, Woody was an amazing guy, an amazing innovator, and a winner. So he he would he would uh he'd win in any in, in any era. His stuff is kind of timeless. Totally agree. Uh, Donald and Karen Ross back. Thanks for the deuce. Uh, thanks for being a scoop ultra member as well. I uh, need to have a scoop hoodie for Cujo Nevada O H I O. Cujo is Devin's raccoon, uh, also known as Ohio Seven Seven One Five. So that is a great name for a great animal. Um, so yeah, eventually we'll probably have to do a little Cujo drop because uh, I think that he's he's gaining a lot of steam, and especially for you guys who are regulars in the chat. Uh, so war Cujo shot clock, Todd, uh, thank you for the five. Uh, this is great. In 06, my wife said I stood up in C deck and just silently looked at the crowd on the field with tears. I knew my two oldest kids were, were down there. Yeah. I mean, it was like the scene was, and again, I think that the fact that it's nighttime by the second quarter, like it's dark and the lights are on. And by the time the game's over, it looks like a night game. I think that adds to the atmosphere, like substantially. It's late, it's November, so obviously it gets dark way earlier than it does in September. But I just think, like, under those lights, you know, ending the game, you know, I mean, it was just like, holy cow. You know, I mean, you don't talk about anxiety and, and like, a heart attack. Like, that whole week, I mean, because, like, there was, like, a straight month where we knew we were going to be undefeated. Like, we, we, we got through, like, there was, like, one game. I don't know if it was Penn State or what it was. And like we knew that basically we were going to run the table to Michigan, and we and we looked at Michigan's schedule, and we knew they were going to be undefeated too, because we're like, well, those guys are going to lose to Ball State and some of these turds they're playing down the stretch. So uh, again, it was uh, it was one of those those deals where it was just a, it was a great night, it was a magical night. Um, you know, again, like we all, it was funny, like like Gonzo had gotten cigars, you know, uh, TJ got uh, um, a limo, I got some uh, some champagne. You know, like we all kind of had like our little like two hundred dollar stupid thing that we bought uh, for for the for the night, um, and it was just, it, you know, it's just like one of those things where like you, you don't get to live that again. Like you don't get to go back and replay Michigan. Uh, it's you only have a finite amount of time to to be in that spotlight and to do that. So when you do it and you actually get it done, it's unbelievable. You know, because again, like I, I also played in games where we didn't get it done. Like we got smashed by Florida the next game. We lost to LSU. So I've, I've lost huge games. I've won huge games, and like. You know, the, the biggest thing is, like, you know, when you get to a chance to win those things, you better enjoy it, and you better love it. Because, again, like, the thing about Ohio State right now is they're figuring out that, like, losing to Michigan really sucks, and it really angers the fan base. So, you know, when they win this year, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen this year, they better enjoy it, and they better savor it. Because I'm telling you, like, it's – you know, I think we took it – I think the hardest part about the Michigan game is too many guys, especially players and, and newer coaches in the program – just had it on autopilot and thought it was just basically taken for granted because we've been so dominant over the last 20 years. And I think that getting smashed three years in a row, even if they were cheating, they still got smashed. Uh, you know, you still got to go, you got to get back to the drawing board. And and now with the, 
the massive talent advantage and the coaching advantage on paper uh, that we have, like, you know, when they won this one this year, like it's time to go celebrate and enjoy it. Uh, we talked about where you were, Nevada. Again, that was a great game and a great day. ZZM, thank you for being a Scoop Ultra member. Thank you for the five. You guys always profess your love for OSU. Why do beat writers claim unbiased and not to be OSU fans? I have unfollowed several of them for that. Nevada, I know that there's nothing in the world you like to do more than talk about our beat, the Ohio State beat writers. Um, why do they claim unbiased and to not be OSU fans? Um, again, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's, a jur- it, it's a journalist thing. You know, it's the old, I want to cover the team dispassionately so I can give you the truth. And the reality is it's exactly the opposite. They're so uh, encumbered by their relationship with Ohio State that they can't tell you the truth. So, you know, they just spout the party line. And that, that's just that's just reality. Everybody, everybody knows that. Anybody, you know, with common sense and a functioning brain understands that's what happened. And that's why, you know, we're different. I mean, you know, Crook and I both love Ohio State, but we'll tell you when they do good. We'll tell you when they do bad. Because we don't care what Ohio State thinks of us. I, I I couldn't care less. I need nothing from Ohio State. I don't need any favors from Ohio State. I don't need any information from Ohio State. I don't need any access from Ohio State. And uh, and they know that. And it, it just completely confounds them. But ironically, we're the most positive guys on the entire beat because we know what's coming. We know how good Ohio State is. We know how good they're going to be. Um, but, yeah, that's why. It's the dispassionate uh, third party observer thing, which is actually all a fallacy and a lie, but that that's why they do it. Yeah. And, and like a lot of them like either grew up around this area or they went here or, or they're just fans. Like, I mean, a lot of these guys, they're, they're, they're fans disguised as beat writers. They're just fanboys, and they just love having, being able to have access to Ryan day and Tony Alford and Mark Pantoni and Jerry Emig And those are their buddies. And you know, they can't ever do anything negative because yeah, but again, that comes at a cost. Like if you want to be, you know, the, the the team site and you want to go kiss the ring every single day, that's great. But you're not allowed to actually be honest about what's really going on in the program. That's the difference between us is like there's kind of what well, no, there's not kind of there's what Ohio State wants you to know. And then there's what's really happening. And so what we report is what's actually happening. So that's why when you look at the people that watch our show, they're just like, oh, that makes sense. As opposed to like, well, this is what they're putting out. Like this is so again, I. I don't know. Like, obviously, I've got two degrees from Ohio State. I've got a tree that's buried, you know, next to, you know, it's, it's right in the ground next to Ohio Stadium. It's got my name on it for being a first team All American. Because I always tell people, like, like, you can't buy that. You can buy a lot of stuff. Like, you can't buy a, a Buckeye tree. You got to go earn that one. And so when I'm dead and in the ground, like, there's going to be a tree there with my name on it for the rest of time. Uh, and I've got an MBA from there. Um, I love Ohio State. The people that are really smart, like, the really sharp people that run Ohio State at the very top of the food chain, i.e., People on the board of trustees, the biggest donors, they love me and they love this show. And a lot of them sponsor the show. A lot of them are members of BuckeyeScoop.com and they all watch my podcast. So again, they when I get like messages from people at the top of the food chain at Ohio State, I'm not talking about, you know, the people that are in the athletic department are like middle to lower tier in the food chain. Not they don't run, they don't run really anything, but the people at the top love me. So again, that's important. And that makes me feel good because when really smart really wealthy, really successful people love what we're doing, i.e. Nevada Buckeye and Buckeye Scoop, then we know we're on the right path. When people at the bottom of the food chain in life hate us, then we know we're on the right path. So again, we appreciate that. Um, 
but again, we just want to be balanced. We want to be fair and balanced. And again, we've been critical of Ryan before. We've praised Ryan before. We've praised the program. We've been critical. But there's also there's also a line that we don't really go over. Like we don't like to like we don't want to just come off the top rope after a, a miserable Cotton Bowl performance where we had to play the third string quarterback because our starter quit on the team and left. And like that's just stupid. And again, people that are stupid do that. And again, some of the reporting that went on after the Cotton Bowl was so impossibly bad that I'm surprised that any of those guys even have jobs. But again. Um, there's a dearth of talent in the industry, which is why, again, it's where we are. And it's, it's why we are who we are and they are who they are. So, but again, like just follow, follow the, uh, follow the numbers, folks. You guys are smart. Karis Washington. Thank you for the deuce. Need Cujo eating a Wolverine. See, I think that that actually could probably be pretty easy given how, you know, these little AI Photoshop things, you know, you can type in, you know, rabid raccoon eating a wolverine and it'd probably give you a pretty cool image like rabid raccoon in an ohio state jersey eating a wolverine so i think we could get that done um and i think that that could be a shirt i don't know how good it'll print on on cloth but we'll we'll give it a go osu box uh 08 thank you for the five appreciate you my man sometimes wish a certain member of the beat would head back to wyoming insufferable um you know, I mean, I, I don't really pay attention to those guys. So uh, I, I think that, you know, some of those guys, you know, they are who they are. Uh, and honestly, we don't want anything to do with them. So uh, Nevada, your thoughts on the beat and a certain member of the beat uh, heading back to Wyoming. Yeah, like you said, we, we have enough to do here. We're about our no. own stuff. But no. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we'll just we're just going to keep giving to you straight here and uh, appreciate you guys being here. Yeah, always. A really good show tonight. Appreciate you guys. Um, I want to touch on this because this wasn't the title. I'll probably get a little deeper into this tomorrow. But we did make a new hire. This is kind of uh, Mark Pantone's. This is his the new secret weapon inside of Ohio State. Sam Petito is a real dude. This is a guy that worked for Nick Saban for a long time. One of his right-hand guys in recruiting. Uh, 51 years old. Uh, kind of got to be uh, like a lieutenant to Mark Pantone. But... You know, the difference here is like, you know, we're hiring a guy from Alabama, which again, anytime you can hire a guy that worked for Nick Saban, who Nick Saban trusted for a very long time, there's Mark, there's our boy, uh, you know, when you hire a guy like that from uh, Bama, you know, you're going to get a lot of insight onto what Bama did that maybe we didn't do. You know, some things that, because you, you can always learn, like if you can, if you can take someone from like a top tier program and kind of learn kind of inside the madness what those guys did. It, it was a lot like, again, I was harking back to learning from Urban. Like when, when you know, when we got smashed by Florida, you know, I was so excited when Urban got hired because I wanted to learn the method to the madness. What did you guys do? Why were you guys so good? And when I was there for a year, I was like, oh, I can absolutely see why we got why you guys killed us. I mean, it's not even close. So like the, the work and what you guys did, I was like, and I want to be a part of it. So I was there for a year undefeated. It was great. But I think that this guy is going to be a nice, healthy injection of, of new ideas, new talent. Um, you know, again, this is, you know, this is going to be one of the most underrated hires that I think Ryan Day has made. Because this guy, this isn't some junior jet guy. This isn't some intern. This isn't some fresh out of, you know, working at some smaller school and, and coming up. This is a guy that ran a real, he's the, you know, the, the, the director of uh, personnel operations for Nick Saban at Alabama. 
and we know how prolific Alabama has been at recruiting over the last, you know, 15 years or so. Uh, so this is a big time hire. Uh, he's in the fold started today. Um, Nevada, we put out a lot of feelers on this guy. I've got a great source uh, at Alabama uh, who is with him. Um, raved about this guy. Like this is a this is a killer. Um, he looks like he's straight off the bocce ball court, but he uh, hopefully um, can slice people's eyes out like the people at the MVR at Youngstown do. Um, if you play him or if you lose him in bocce, uh, Sam Petito, Nevada, your thoughts on this hire? Yeah, no, just I mean, obviously a, a veteran, you know, not a kid bringing him in and just to me it just it's a continuation of a theme that we've talked about of who's going to kind of fill the void now that Alabama isn't Alabama anymore and I, I think the odds on for a lot of people across the country is Ohio State and how do you do that well you take their tactics you take their players you take their administrative staff and you fill that void and you put yourself in a position to win the national title every year. And I think that's what Ohio State's doing. And I, I think this is, I, I agree with you completely. I think this is a, a totally underrated hire, but one I'm excited about. Well, here, here's the thing. Like, to me, this is an Alabama Nick Saban in his prime kind of hire. Like, you go out and hire a high-level guy from a, from a similar type program. This isn't, you're, you're not bringing in some guy from Arkansas or some guy from Illinois or from Penn State. Like, Hiring a guy from Alabama who ran the show and did a lot of personnel work at Alabama, that is, that's, you know, again, you're getting those fresh ideas. And again, that's something that I, I'm not overly critical with Ryan because, you know, I get why you got to hire Corey Dennis. I get why, you know, because, you know, with the urban thing. And then I get why you got to, you know, Keenan Bailey is your buddy and whatever. But like getting a guy like Chip Kelly, getting like fresh eyeballs into the room, I think is really critical, um, especially when you've been at a program for going on, you know, five ish years now, five, six years. Um, you got to get some fresh ideas in the building. You know, again, and when you hire a bunch of guys from within, it's great because they know the verbiage and they know everything that's going on, but they're not going to bring anything new because they've been doing the same stuff that you've been teaching them. You know, so when you bring in a guy who's totally new, like a Bill O'Brien and even better, like a Chip Kelly, who's literally um, yin and yang for Ryan, then I think you're getting onto something. So this guy, I'm just excited because again, Alabama has been a formidable, dominant recruiting operation and so to add this guy uh, with the amount of juice that this guy has from the people I've talked to is going to be a secret weapon for Ohio State. And again, it's only going to help us in recruiting. It's only going to help us um, fortify relationships with Southern schools where Alabama has been dominant because, you know, guys like this build great relationships with high school coaches, athletic directors, um, admins, guidance counselors. And you guys can laugh and say, why do you have to talk to the guidance counselor? Well, if you need a transcript on a kid, or you got to figure out how to, you know, hey, misguidance counselor, uh, you know, I'm just going to say Caleb Downs, you know, just any name. You know, Caleb, uh, you know, who are his mentors in the school? Oh, what's his secondary coach and and his uh, his high school coach? And who's his favorite teacher? Oh, it's his English coach or English uh, teacher. And so, like, you can really get in deep on these kids if you have access to the right people. And that's what guys like this are really good at. And that was something, that, like, when I worked with Urban Man, we were in, we had our tentacles around everybody in every high school. When we were going after a kid that was big time, I mean, we knew everybody. And we knew all the players. And, you know, because the problem is, is when you hit these dead periods, like right now they're in a dead period, you got to have people on the ground that are your advocates that you can talk to. Because you can't always talk to the kid, but if you've got eight people in the school and, you know, that love this kid and, you know, are trying to steer them towards you, that's how you win, you know, and again, that's that's Alabama Nick Saban, Florida Urban Meyer type stuff. 
So excited about Sam Petito. We'll uh, probably break him down a little bit more tomorrow. Uh, but Nevada, let's uh, wrap this thing up. Appreciate you guys as always. Uh, any final thoughts, Nevada? Uh, closing in on 30,000 subscribers. So uh, if you know anybody that you think would like the show, do it or leave us a like on the way out. Those likes help us to get this recommended to somebody else. But closing in on 30,000 subscribers, thank you guys for supporting the show. Appreciate it. As always, we thank you guys. We're really close. We're about 600 away from 30,000. So keep cranking along. Again, we appreciate everything you guys do for us. Uh, that store, uh, you guys will be the first to know. We will let you guys know when it will open up and when it will close. It'll be about a one-week drop. Um, and I don't know when we'll do another one. So I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, um, get you guys all jazzed up. But, like, you know, we haven't done one in a couple years. Um, and, and you know, we got a really good uh, process going right now. So we'll see how it goes. If it's successful, then might do another one. Uh, if not, it might go away for a little bit, but I'm really excited about this. I think you guys are going to love it. It's quality gear, really, really good, uh, printing. Uh, so it's going to be, it's going to be excellent. But, um, if you guys can leave us a like, those are huge. Again, uh, if you guys click subscribe, that's also huge. Send this to your friends, send it to all your favorite Buckeye supporters, uh, at work, uh, at church, at school, wherever you're at. Again, I know that the word of mouth has been, uh, dominant for us in terms of how we've been spreading, other word, we're all organic around here. We don't buy followers uh, like a lot of these sites do. Like some of these guys, it's, it's hilarious when you see the big spikes on them buying followers, which uh, is just corny and stupid. We don't do that around here. So we appreciate you guys so much uh, for our organic growth. And also click that little alert bell. So you'll see a bell uh, that'll ring on your phone uh, when we go live. I actually get the alert on my phone. I've got an alternate account just to make sure that it's working and it does. So it's great. Uh, if you guys have not joined BuckeyeScoop.com, it is an absolutely fantastic website. By far the busiest Ohio State website right now. It's been awesome to watch. Uh, the the growth, the community, it's just awesome. I mean, a lot of you guys love this show. You guys love being in this chat, but Buckeye Scoop's open 24 hours a day. So if you guys can't get enough of this, jump in that chat. Again, we appreciate you guys so much. Uh, this show is an absolute blast to do. It's a big show because you guys make it a big show. So thank you for all you guys do. Uh, thank you again to um, to uh, Tora, Ohio 7715, a.k.a. Akeem and Devin, a.k.a. the Wrench Brothers, uh, and my wife Kim for moderating and keeping it uh, nice and cool in the chat, nice and clean and cool. Uh, so you guys have a great time every single time. So make sure you thank those guys for all the work that they do. Uh, with that being said, thank you so much, Buckeye Nation, and thank you, Scoop family. I'm going to talk to you guys tomorrow. We'll be going at 7 again tomorrow. So see you guys tomorrow night. Go Bucks.